You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 229, Interviewing the Lineage, Catherine Metz. Welcome to episode 229 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach Feng Shui online at mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to check us out. You can sign up for our mailing list, go to the main homepage or in the show notes, there should be something that you can click where you can opt in for our mailing list. And we'd love to see you in your inbox. We have content available only for our newsletter subscribers and special events and opportunities only for those people that are on our list. So this week, we're really excited and thrilled to introduce one of two of our teachers that we are highlighting on the podcast. And we created a little series called Interviewing the Lineage. And so this week, we're going to start with the first interview with Catherine Metz, one of our main teachers and our feng shui mentor. Welcome, Catherine. Uh, Thanks for having me. So I'm going to read your bio in a sec. I'm going to talk a little and let people know a little bit about you, but I wanted to just circle back a bit to what Angie was saying that we decided we were going to do this little mini series to talk to our teachers because Angie and I make a point of communicating how we owe a debt of gratitude to black sect feng shui teachers, our teachers that came before us and that taught us directly because they learned the practice from feng shui directly from our root teacher, his holiness grandmaster, Lin Yun, which is very important for us to continue to reflect on the importance of us being a branch on this big tree, part of this golden chain of wisdom. And that, again, as Angie and I say over and over again, especially when we're talking to new prospective students, that this is not information or teachings or things that Angie and I just pulled out of the air and made up on our own. These were transmitted to us from our teachers and then from directly from the professor. And Catherine is a great example of this. Catherine Metz is the founder and creator of Feng Shui Storyboard. Over the years, Catherine has chronicled his holiness grandmaster, Professor Lin Yun's teachings as succinctly as possible. I would agree with that. Catherine is a virtual repository of knowledge and wisdom, both ancient and modern. She now expertly shares her firsthand account of these 25 years of the professor's teachings and over 40 years of experience as a practitioner, teacher, and mentor. And I would agree with this line. I like this. Her quiet presence and nuanced writings continue to educate and inspire students and practitioners around the world. And welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much. 40 years. That's... (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to even think about. (laughs) I know we were just talking about that before we got started and how it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that number sometimes, you know, even if you go back to the year you started, it still doesn't quite seem like you're like 40 years is a really, it's a really long time. That's, that's a, that's, you know, a lifetime for many people that are probably, some of our listeners are probably like not even there yet. So this is, it really, it, it really shows 
And the fact that you spent, you know, 25 of those learning from the professor and really documenting so much of what he said. It's it was it was a pleasure. And I think even more of a pleasure is to watch the two of you continue the lineage with such precision and such grace. So I want to thank you for that. It's it's a delight. It makes my heart beat a little faster. Well, we had um, we had a really good mentor. And so, Catherine, thank you for joining us, because what we have what we're going to be doing and we'll we'll be speaking to other teachers as we go forward. But we're going to ask each of our teachers essentially the same questions and really asking them to reflect on a unique story of the practice of feng shui and and specifically, obviously, our school of feng shui, which is black sect feng shui or often referred to as BTB feng shui, that our first question that I've been asking and will be asking is, how did you come to the practice of feng shui? Which is, you know, taking your time machine and going back. Yeah, the years. <laughs> I know, you know, it, it's interesting. I was helping out a friend who had just gotten her dental license and I was working in her office because she couldn't afford to have that help, pay for that help yet. And um, she got a postcard. And it was from a Hawaiian kahuna and said he was doing a feng shui retreat in Hawaii. And she tossed it to me sort of over the desk and said, I don't know what this is, but I think I think it's yours. <laughs> I think it belongs to you. <laughs> I didn't know what feng shui was, but I really needed to get out of town at that moment. <laughs> and so I went and it was amazing. And the thing that I learned there is I would walk in the sand every morning. We lived, I lived in a tent on the beach and every morning I'd get up really early and the kahuna would be walking on the beach. And so one morning, you know, usually, you know, you follow a master, right? When you see a master, you, you, you're, and it's heartfelt, you follow that master. So I got up, decided I would get up really early and walk at the beach. And so I did that. And I turned around and I was having, before I turned around, I was thinking all these thoughts about my life and different things. And he walked up behind me and I turned around and he told me the whole story of what I had just been thinking. Wow. So he said, if you walk in someone's footsteps, you can pick up what they're thinking. You can know what's unknown and known only to you. And that was that moment that I thought, I need to learn something. There's something I need to learn. And when I got back from Hawaii on my desk was a notice about Professor Lin Yun teaching in San Francisco. So I went <laughs> and the moment I walked in the door and sat down and I sat down next to Stephen Post that day, <laughs> I knew that this was my teacher. It, it was, yeah. it was an instant in time. And I knew the next time I went that I needed to write down every single thing he ever said to me. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. And I didn't wow. even know there was such a thing as feng shui. You know, we hear that story, that same story still today with our students sometimes, do you know, Angie, like we'll hear just people that are just, something came across and they had, they just, there was something that just spoke to them that they just needed, they needed to follow and find out what it was. 
Yeah. You know, and they weren't even sure they kind of took a leap of faith. And I love the way you said you had to get out of town. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I feel like there's a story there, but I will not ask you now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, <love> story there. <laughs> I had to get out of town, but I, I feel like there's, there is something similar to a lot of people that come to this practice where it's like, I had to get out of town. Basically I needed some, there was something calling to me and I needed to do something different. Yes. And that was the impetus. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. I needed to get out of town. We should make that the, yeah. the subject of a, of a podcast. And what Laura said too, that story is not the specifics about your story, but the story that something comes across your path that just tells you there's something here for you. And you, a lot of our students say they had never even had any interest in feng shui nor no, knew nothing about it, but maybe they saw something that resonated with them. And then they looked a little bit further and then it was actually feng shui and, and then they had their interest alerted and then they, they kept going. So what an amazing story. I actually have an, a question, like how many, how many people were in that class? Oh gosh, I don't remember because there were a number of tents on the beach. There might've been 12 or 13 tents on the beach. So I think that was about the number. And what about when you went to professor's class? It was at the University of San Francisco and it was in an auditorium style room. And so people were scattered around that lecture hall. So maybe 20. Oh, and so Stephen, was Barry there too? I don't remember. Barry was probably there, but I don't remember. But I know I sat right down next to Stephen because we had an exchange that first night. So That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just for those listeners, Stephen is uh, Stephen Post is one of our another one of our teachers, which we're hoping to to chat with and do this exact same subject with soon. So, Catherine, again, as I said, we're asking our teachers to share a story, either about the lineage themselves, but mostly it kind of comes back to a story about the professor. I know you have lots and lots of stories, and so it's I, I we asked you to pick your favorite story, but I mean, you know. Any story would be great, but when we asked you this, what came to mind for you that you'd wanted to share? Oh, I think that there are so many, but I think the yeah. first one that came to mind really was I traveled with Professor around Taiwan, and on the very last day, I started feeling really ill. And so they sent me back to the hotel, and I, I was resting for a day. And then the next day, the trip was ended, and the other people went home. And But I was left in the hotel because I was supposed to go to Hong Kong but I wasn't feeling well. So I was left in the hotel and professor was still there. And I was just trying to feel better. And I was sort of in bed and I got a call midday and the person at the front desk said, professor would like to meet you in the conference room. And I was like, what? I, I had to get out of bed. And he said, I want you there now, right? So he's always surprised me and, it, and it's always his way of teaching me. So I got dressed really quickly. I probably looked terrible, but I got to the conference room, which was quite large in the Hilton Hotel in, in um, Taipei. And it was filled with reporters and TV cameras and <laughs> just lots and lots of people all speaking Chinese and asking professor questions. And I walked in the door and I was really surprised. And he said, come sit next to me. And so I did. And they kept asking questions about the financier who had stolen a lot of money from the city of Taipei. 
and had fled the country and what was that about? I mean, all these things that I couldn't really understand because my interpreter, anyway, there was an interpreter, but I was having trouble understanding. So they kept asking him questions and questions and I didn't really understand what was going on. And then professor turned to me and he said, can you read my palm? (laughs) 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 And so it was one of those moments when I went, okay, I have to get hold of myself. He always teaches us to get hold of our heart. And I just took a deep breath and I, I held his hand, which is always lovely to do. He always, he and I always held hands when we were together, which was really beautiful. And so I held his hand and I looked and I thought, I don't know anything about palmistry, <laughs> except one thing. <laughs> I know that there's a thing called the Confucius eye. And I looked at his hand and on both hands, I looked at one, you know, and I kind of looked at it and I saw Confucius eye and his thumb. And a Confucius eye is just a line on your thumb that's like a crescent above this middle line and a crescent below. So it looks like a bit like an eye. Mm-hmm. And there it was, as, as as deep and as dark a line any place else on his hand. And then I grabbed his other hand and I, it was there also, which is very unusual. And I thought, do I remember? Oh my gosh, do I remember what that means? <laughs> And it came to me in that moment. And I mean, it was this momentary flash that I remembered what that meant. And it means that that person, it's very rare, first of all, and that person is wise and warm and kind. And so I I went, okay, I think I said to everybody in the room, I said, I'm so glad you're all here today because I want to tell you what I'm reading in Professor's Palm. Like I knew what I was doing, right? <laughs> and I said, I want you all to know that that Professor is warm and he's wise and he's kind. And because the lines are so far apart, one above and one below, he's also very smart and he's also very witty. So I'm hoping that you'll, you know, report that. And I'm so glad you're here to be able to report that to everyone in the city. And the next day, (laughs) the next day, full page on the front page, it was all about Professor and him being wise and warm and kind and witty and a picture of us sitting there in front. So I'll always remember that because one of the ways he teaches and 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 I don't know if other people experienced it, but I experienced it often, was to surprise me and to let me know that I need to meet the moment. Mm-hmm. We all need to meet the moment and we need to get a hold of our heart and we need to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just scared to death <laughs> and nervous. And yet I remembered that one thing that was really important. So trust mm-hmm. is a big part of what I learned that day as well. And it was fun. <laughs> it, it was fun just to try. Yeah. And you clearly you you met the moment. It sounds it sounds like that's quite the moment to meet, too. And I'm imagining everyone, by the way, looking at their thumbs right now and yeah. trying to see uh, if they haven't and <laughs> just taking a look. If you're driving, oh. keep your thumbs, keep your thumbs on the wheel if you're driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's very funny. much like an eye and and without any line in between, except ah, okay. except for this index line. You want that okay. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But if there are any other lines in between, it means it's... you may be um, fooled. Ooh, okay. 
Note to self, I will uh, check out my thumbs after I'm done this, yeah. but I'm pretty sure I don't have it. But your story made me think of something that I think about this practice a lot. And it's something that we teach, we clearly learned because it's something that's come up several times with our own students. And when they get a little concerned that they're going to go, and Angie, you can speak to this too, because I know we talk a lot about this. They're going to go to a client's house or they're going to do something and they're like, I don't know if I know enough or I don't know if I'm going to be able to help or I don't know. And it's like you you get there and you share what you have. It's always the right thing, whatever you share. Yeah. Angie, I know you have thoughts on this too, because we, they want to be, you know, like advanced. I want this advanced. I should do this. I should do this. But it's often, no, like, you know what you need to know. Yeah. Well, that's something I think, Catherine, you've shared with many of our students as well, because you talk, you teach our students, especially the ones that after they graduate, we have a graduate level call that you teach for us regularly. And oftentimes people think that they need to learn something and then they should be able to prepare and have the consultation go exactly as they've planned. And really what often happens is that you cannot anticipate anything that may happen at that consultation. But then there's so much beauty and joy in meeting, like you said, meeting the moment and being present in that experience. And that's when you do the best for your client or whoever you're working with. Or, I mean, we don't have to be talking about a feng shui consultation. We could be talking about having dinner with a friend. You can be, you can come prepared expecting that the dinner will work out in a particular way, but as much as we want to plan, things don't work out that way, but there's so much beauty that can arise if we allow things to just unfold. And so I love the story that you were really pushed and surprised and encouraged with professor there to support you. And then you, you, you met that challenge with a lot of courage and bravery and skill and, and trust. And I remember another time, I mean, he, I think he, he pushed me for a reason, whatever that is. He just continued to push me. I remember we had just learned a brand new complicated divination and it took him all morning and most of the afternoon to just teach it to all of us. And then when he said, okay, I think you all understand. He said, Catherine, I have a question in mind and I'd like an answer. But he didn't tell me the question. So sometimes you can do a divination without knowing the question. And so he said, I have a question in mind. I'd like an answer. And so I went through all these calculations. It's like the calculation on the fingers when you're counting on the fingers. And we would see him do that in his lap often because he would divine in the moment. So I was trying to remember all of that. And I got to the point where what I landed on with the divination was death. <laughs> so there I was standing up in front of all these people in class and going, Professor, the answer is death. And I'm, and he said, well, you can't just leave me with death. <laughs> so, and so I said, I thought for a moment and what came up was that I'm worried about you this evening. And I'm worried that you might be traveling and I'm concerned for your welfare. That's all I could think of. And he said, oh, I'm traveling this evening from Berkeley to the peninsula and it's an hour drive. And my driver is always very sleepy at that time of night when we would be coming home. And it concerns me that it might be dangerous for him to drive me home. So I'm going to get a new driver. Thank you very much for saving my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so I think those moments are just, they give us insight into what, what we can trust. Mm-hmm. They give us insight into what we spend a lot of time learning and how we can use it in the moment. I mean, it's such a joy to feel that. And I think to be pushed in that way and to just respond without, without being so scared you can't even speak is <laughs> just a really wonderful way to learn. Agreed. And no pressure, eh? When you have to give that, that kind of a reading to the professor. <laughs> Jeez. Um, one of the questions we are asking our teachers is uh, to share, you know, what's one lesson or, or learning or teaching that you took away from the professor that remains to you to this day that you would want to share with our listeners. And I mean, you shared trust, which, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, meeting the moment. Is there anything else? I mean, I, you know, don't put you a spot to keep talking, but is there anything else that's sort of really stuck? I mean, I know there's lots of things that is really stuck with you that you think that might be interesting for our listeners to hear as well. I think to approach every encounter empty Mm. in a sense. So I was surprised when I got to a home, a typical looking home in Los Angeles in West Hollywood and was greeted at the door by a woman in a maid's costume, you know, the black and the (laughs) white apron and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the room. She said that my client was still in bed. And it turned out that this particular place was a very famous brothel in Los Angeles. So to be surprised and yet to step back just for a moment, I think stepping back and to empty yourself of your surprise and maybe your dismay if that's not part of your thinking that you should or could help someone who's running a brothel to just be empty about all of that and let yourself be present in the moment and respond in a responsible way. And that whole experience was a surprise. And I've had many like that. (laughs) And yet two years later, and the one thing she asked me was, you're here to help me figure out how to get along with the police. Okay, so can I take that in as a request and see that person that I want to help? Or would I just walk out? So I decided to stay. I wanted to help because the professor said, if someone asks you for help, then if you can, you should offer it. So I offered her help. And two years later, I was watching a documentary about sex workers and brothels. And there she was. She was the star of this documentary. And she said, I finally worked out how to work with the police. So I thought that was great. And the police were happy and she was happy. And so I think to be empty, Mm -hmm. to be empty. I remember walking into a famous celebrity's house and was speaking to him and walking throughout the house. And every time he'd get a lot of phone calls as they do, or his main person was telling him he had to do something right. And the wife followed behind. And every time he would go away, she'd say, I want you to help me get a divorce from him. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I think you have to just be available to whatever mm-hmm. and help in whatever way you can. So I, I think to always say yes, no mm-hmm. matter what is my beginning response. How can I be here and help? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. It's interesting. The situations as a, when you are a feng shui consultant, the thing, the situations you can find yourself in with people that 
you would assume you wouldn't be the first point of contact for some things, but you often are. Yes. I found that to be very interesting. And so I've had to create myself a little Rolodex of referring people to the appropriate person that is better for it. Obviously we do what we can. And as you said, offering help from a feng shui standpoint, no problem, you know, absolutely. Here's some of the feng shui. I can tell you all about the feng shui, but then you sort of step back and you're like, my goodness, you might also want to do X, Y, and Z, you know, cause you just, and I'm like, is, am I the first person you've told this to? Like, I find that I've said that a number of times, like, yes, you are. And I'm like, and, and it, it, I'm touched, but I'm also, you know, it's a lot, right? So then you just have to, it's, but it's amazing that I think people just come to this practice and know that it's, it's going to be helpful. And maybe they're just intimidated by going to other things and doing other things, but it's, it's, I'm always, I'm often amazed or I, I'm like, wow, okay. I'm being called upon to deal with this. Interesting. And then you just, yeah, as you say, you have to meet the moment and get out of your own way. And yeah, yeah. yeah, those are some, you've definitely topped my stories though. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) I, I have so many, um, it's taken years, but I have so many. It's, it's fun to be able to to tell these stories because I think it gets people ready to experience if they're going to practice Mm -hmm. that it's not easy (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and to be prepared. And I I get up every morning and I ask myself, and this is one thing I learned from a professor. I ask myself, am I ready for the day? Mm -hmm. And it can be very interesting. The response can be very interesting. It might be, you better do your yoga first thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with the feng shui, but that's the question I ask myself every morning. And I really did learn from professor. It's the reason I review my feng shui every single day mm-hmm. I go back and read part of the storyboard or mm-hmm. because it's almost always that I need that thing that day mm-hmm. or the next day I think it's good for all of us to to remind ourselves in the morning yeah it's one of our good luck cures too is to get up in the morning and sort of look through your day well I think a lot of people don't realize And I think life has changed a lot in the last 40 years, right? The time that we have, I know, especially in my meditation practice and meditation um, center, they, they recognize it's hard to ask people to take a week or two away to do a retreat. But what I don't think a lot of people know is that when you did study with professor, it wasn't quite intensive and you would do retreats with him and silent retreats with him and take trips with him. And really you had the, I would say luxury, because I feel like it's so luxurious now compared to life, like our busy lives in our forties and fifties here for me and Laura to really completely immerse yourself in these teachings. And it's not just about learning how to lay the Bagua map or to apply the five elements to your space by painting the wallet color, but really it's a whole lifestyle shift. Could you, I mean, I, I know this wasn't part of our question list, but I want, uh, wonder if you want to speak to that a little bit, because I feel like there's something for people to learn that like this was you and Steven and, Barry and Rosalie and the, and the other senior students of Professor Linyan, you really like devoted your life and he was really your spiritual guide. Yeah, he was, gosh, there are hardly words for it. <laughs> I remember when, when he would always take my hand and he would speak to me in English when we were alone, he would speak English 
And those were precious moments. And he said, life can be simple, you know, cultivate your chi. You know, your chi can move mountains. And so I think what started to happen is that as I started to pay more attention to not just all the design details we were learning from him and their ramifications, but to see his spirit and to see his kindness and to see his wisdom play out in the world and his generosity, it was asking of all of us to, well, it was giving us a, a model of what it can be to be a noble person. And then when I realized that and, and sort of dove deeply into that piece, what happened is my my intuition, my inspiration got so much deeper and wider. Things would come to me so much more easily and I could see through the chi to ask just the perfect right question. I began to be able to tell a story from a floor plan. Mm -hmm. almost, and, and that's what the storyboard is all about, mm -hmm. is learning to, to see beyond and to see through. And that only came because I had this gentleman in my life who allowed that light to shine in me as well. He allowed the light to shine. And I think, you know, which is why Angie and I are so grateful for teachers like you and Rosalie and Stephen, and to be able to continually study and go back. And as you said, you know, reviewing and just reading and like, I have my notebook, you should see my notebooks that I have, like, they're just these like, and I will literally leaf through them and then just open a page and then, you know, oh, right. And it's all handwritten because that's how I remember things. But I think, you know, when you make that shift, we have students that are really like, they'll watch Angie and I do floor plan readings or just do a consultation. And they're just like, how do you, how do you just do it? Because it's often inspiration and intuition. But I also explain that, you know, that also has to do with experience and knowledge and knowing, but there's somewhere where you have to cultivate your cheat. You have to be able to, you know, just again, get out of your own way. I don't know how else to explain that, but, um, you know, not make it about yourself. And then things do sort of just come to you and they are the right thing, which is really amazing. And I think Angie and I both, you know, would credit our great teachers and practices and shifting from, well, because this is what we do all the time, Angie and I, it really is a way of life for us, but just making that shift to sort of using your feng shui eyes everywhere you go. And, you know, really thinking about like that and not making it such a big deal, like not having to be really complex or, you know, about it, just really being, as you said, noble. So there's a quietness to it, you know, just sort of just being with it. Yeah, Angie, I, oh, sorry, go, ahead. go, no, no, you go, Catherine. Go no, I was just thinking that, that being quiet with it is so important. Mm -hmm. um, I even, I, and when I go into someone's house, I'm never looking at the feng shui. Mm-hmm because I need to be quiet in my own mind. Mm -hmm. um, if I haven't been asked, mm -hmm. I can't go there. So I need to be mm -hmm. really empty about that. And I think the one time I, I stepped beyond that boundary, actually, it turned out to be really helpful. I was in a friend of my daughter's. I was in his house and I was just, I, I, they sat me down. So I was looking down this corridor, right to the bathroom. <laughs> and I said to her later, does he have digestive issues? And, and she said, yes. And, but he won't speak to me about them. He won't, she said, he won't speak to me about them. He won't address it, but he's really sick. And so it allowed her in that moment to speak up to him later. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't mean to do it. It just <laughs> came out. And, and so I think I really have to hold back in those moments. I think it only happened that one, one time that I said something, but. Well, that's interesting. Cause I think a lot of people ask like, Oh, what do you think about this space? And really at this point for me, it is, it's like, Oh, I don't even, I have to, it's almost like I have a turn, I have to turn it on and off. I'm not always looking because it's very consuming to do that. It's consuming. Yeah. And it's actually just a different way of being. It's not my normal state. And I have, I put on, I have to say, I put, I need to put on my feng shui hat and look at the situation. Otherwise I'm not, I'm not thinking about it, but it's not because it's not there or it's not important. It's just that I um, am focusing on something else. Yeah. And I think that for me, the feeling is that I'm, I'm reading someone's story that they might not want to tell. Right. Do we have that permission and consent and we need to be asked for that. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what we say. You got to let them ring your bell first. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. It was, it was really lovely and your stories were fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) As, as expected. And we're excited to just, you know, Angie and I don't just learn from Catherine. We also, you know, we've been working a little bit together. So it's been really lovely. And it's been really lovely to share things and have her come to our classes and stuff. So more of that to come. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak to both of you, especially together. Yeah. Thank you, you, Catherine. And thank you so much listeners for listening to another episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every week for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast, please share it with others, subscribe, leave a review, little things like that help tremendously. You can always support us by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list. You can sign up in the show notes or visit mindfuldesignschool.com and scroll to the bottom and there'll be an opt-in area where you can put your email. We have unique and special content only for our newsletter subscribers. So we hope you sign up for our list. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.